Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Mike Shepline, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. I want to teach you on something today. and um, it, The title of it, how many of you got a dog that looks like that? How many of you have ever been bit by a dog that looks like that? Not like that. He's kind of inquisitive. But I want to teach you on something today. And the title of it is Dogs and New Tricks. Dogs and New Tricks. Now you say, what do you mean by that? What is the saying? You, no, what, what is the saying? Okay, let me ask you a question. Do we have any old dogs? Any old dogs? Okay, look. Okay. Okay. Let me just say this. We are all old dogs in some ways. All of us have things that we've learned, ways of functioning, that it's, you, you can be 15, 14 years old, and you have a way of functioning that is just like, this is just my given way of, of functioning. And, you know, the, the, another way of saying, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks is, you know, I'm just kind of set in my ways, and what's the use? That's pretty much, it, it, you know, if we were to put it in just, uh, just street terms, and I want to just pose a question, and that's this, is what if those ways aren't the best ways, or maybe we learned and we picked them up in a difficult season or a difficult place in our life, and they're still now functioning in our life, or maybe a situation that was forced upon us, and we did our best, but in the process, we picked up some things, maybe some habits, some attitudes, some outlooks, and now it's limiting God's best in our life. It's limiting his best. How many of you have ever been on one of those go-kart courses where they do the figure eights? How many of you know that those things are too slow? How many of you have been with me on that? And the reason is, is they put a governor on them that will not let them go beyond a certain speed. And so how many of you, when you go to those places, you sit and watch and try to figure out the fastest car so that you can run and jump in that car? How many of you are with me on that? Don't leave me hanging. You know what I'm saying? Do not put me in the turtle car where my wife can pass me and my children can pass me. How many of you know what I mean? And that's what she does. I get in the turtle car. As she passes, she laughs. <laughs> she, she, that's, what, that's what she does. But you think about it is this, is the Bible is full of examples of this. Because, and when I say that, uh, of this, meaning people that had, that basically got set in an old way of functioning due to exposure, due to experiences, due to maybe upbringing, due to ways of functioning. It's full of examples because the world that we live in today is not as God intended it. It is not the way that he set it up. I mean, we could go cover to cover, start with, with, um, Adam and Eve. You can look at the first, their first two children, Cain and Abel. I mean, the times of Noah, the same thing. If you look at Abraham, Sarah, Moses, I mean, you get past them, the Israelites coming out of Egypt. 
Deborah and Gideon. You say, well, those are all Old Testament people. Okay, let's jump to the New Testament. All of the disciples struggled with this, even the Apostle Paul. And one of the greatest things I love about God is the difference between him and religion. And you say, well, wait, I thought this is religion, what we're doing right now. Let me just explain. Is what religion says is do this, jump this high, fix it, and it is all external things that we do to earn God's acceptance and love for us. Is if I do this, God's going to accept me and God is going to be happy. Let me just let me just say this. God isn't into your performance. He's into your heart. Because if the, and, and the next thing is, you know, whereas it says God come, what he does is he comes into our life and I love it is God says, I want you to just come to me just as you are. I love you right now before anything else changes in your life. And if you put me first, I will change you from the inside out. And see, that's the big difference between religion and Christianity. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy, but for those who knew that they needed help. Now, just just to give you an insider Maybe a thought is every one of us need help. Every one of us need help. And, there, you know, there's, there's a certain inside disposition, a posture that keeps our heart open and sensitive and in a place that positions us to see the goodness and the favor of the Lord, but we've got to protect it. We've got to protect that an inside disposition. And if we don't, what happens is, is we get set in our outlooks. We get set in our attitudes. We get set in maybe circumstantial limitations and expectations. You say, what is a circumstantial limitation? You went through a circumstance and it imposed a way of thinking and a way of seeing on your life. And now it's like the governor on the go-kart where God is saying, you could go this fast, but that way of thinking, that attitude and that outlook is going to keep you at this speed until you invite me to come in to begin to change that particular thing where maybe we don't like it, but we get stuck there. And it's simply because maybe it's a set attitude. It's a set outlook. It's a a circumstantial limitation or an expectation. And we don't like it. And, And what I love about God is God always leads us to do something not on the outside, but he will always lead us to do something on the outside, but he always starts on the inside. He always starts on the inside. And action, and, but what it is, is it's something that started inside my heart. I remember, um, I love, how many of you love Joyce Myers? How many of you love Joyce Myers? I love her story when she was talking about when she first got saved and loved the Lord, but she was a heavy smoker. She smoked a lot. And, um, and so, and, and, and back then, especially back when she got saved, smoking was like getting drunk. How many of you know what I'm saying? It was just like viewed that way. And so she said that she didn't want to smoke, but she just enjoyed it so much. She just loved, she enjoyed smoking. And so she said that she would come to church 
and that in the service she would leave, go get in her car, lay down in the back seat and smoke a cigarette, and then get up and pound a bunch of mints and come in back into church as though they didn't know that she was smoking. <laughs> and, and I remember her sharing that, and what it is is that I think in our lives is that God is saying, you know what, realize it's not the outside that you don't like, it's the roots on the inside that what I want to do is I want to get involved there. And I can always tell, you know, I've been a pastor now for over 30 years, is I can tell when someone's ready to change by the inside, not the outside. You can tell there's an inside disposition there's an inside posture, there's an inside humility, there's an inside openness, and you can tell, okay, they're ready to change. And what I want to do is I want to share five thoughts that will help us be a young dog that God can lead and teach new tricks, where I'm going to just stop and say, okay, God, I'm going to go there. Number one is this, is believe it can change in my life. This is huge. Not just God can do it, but he'll do it in my life. I think it's really easy for us as Christians to just immediately glaze over and say, oh yeah, God can do it. Oh, God can do it. No, do you believe he can do it in your life? Do you believe? Because when we believe, when it's, when it's only God can do it, then it's all external. But when we believe he can do it in my life, then it's internal. It's something that is on the inside. See, our true beliefs are revealed by our willingness to follow. I can t we can always tell what we really believe by what we follow. And when we have a willingness to follow the Lord, it reveals our true beliefs in that particular area. But if we're not willing to follow the Lord, then what it is, is it comes back to what I believe on the inside. And this will almost always come face to face with what I call feel-like-it lifestyle Christianity. Where God, I'll follow you as long as I feel like it, but when I don't feel like it, or it's a little bit difficult, or it goes against the grain, or it's a little bit hard on me, then I'm not going to feel, I'm not going to do it because I don't feel like it. It always, when we talk about God, I believe that you can change it in my life, one of the things, one of the first places we're going to hit is when we start following God, is there's going to be days you don't feel like it, you don't want to do it, it's not comfortable. And, you, and what it does is it comes face to face with the feel like following lifestyle. If I only follow God when I feel like it, I will live in roller coaster Christianity. And roller coaster Christianity is I will have good days that are exuberating and I'll get goosebumps and it will be awesome, but I will equally go down in the tank in that I will reach for things and do things that are not that don't lead to greater life. And what God wants to do is He wants to eliminate the roller coaster. I am not saying that we don't have bad days. I am not saying that we don't go through difficult situations. I am not saying, how many of you have found out if the people around you would just act right, you could have a better life? How many of you know what I'm saying? But you got no control over those people. How many of you wish you could? No. How many of you wish, you know, they wish they could over you? <laughs> Is, but what it is, is it's us being able to stop and say, you know what, God, I am going to, God wants to take the dips out of it. 
He wants to take these extreme dips out of it where we're just like, whoa, God is good. And two days later, I don't even know if I'm saved. I don't even know if Jesus is going. You know what I'm saying? It's back up and it's back down. It's back up and it's back down. God wants to take that out. I want you to, in the light of believe it can change in my life, I want to read a scripture and it's in Mark chapter 10. Verse 46 to verse 52. And this is Jesus. It says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Now, realize this, that the Jews taught that when somebody was born blind, it was part of their religion and their culture that when somebody was born blind, it was either a result of the parents sinning or the child sinning in the womb. The Jews believed, Pharisees and Sadducees, that a child could sin in the womb and then, or the parents could sin and cause blindness to come upon the child. In, in Bartimaeus, if you look at his word in the Hebrew lexicon, the Brown Driver Driggs Hebrew lexicon, what his name means is it means cursed or unclean. That's what his name means. Do you know that he's an adult now and he has heard his entire life that every time they would scream out his name, they would say, you know what? You are the son of Timotheus and you are cursed or unclean because of a sin that either your parents committed or you committed in their womb. He had heard this over his life for decades and decades over his life. And so Jesus is coming by and look at what it says about him. It says, when Bartimaeus heard that, that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, be quiet. Many of, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Now look at what it says about Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What's huge for us to understand is that under Roman culture, you couldn't just beg. You could not just go get a sign and say, I don't want to work or I don't want, and I'm just going to hold up a sign and beg. Under Roman culture and under Jewish tradition, in order to get a right to beg, they would issue you what was called a beggar's garment. And that then when people saw that particular garment, it gave, it gave you a license to sit in a designated place and they knew that you were legitimate. And what I want you to notice Bartimaeus did is it says as soon as Jesus called him, he threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What I want you to notice is nothing has happened yet, but he believed in the goodness of God for himself. He believed that Jesus was calling him for himself, and he threw aside his old identity. He threw aside what gave him a life to stay back there. He threw aside a way of functioning and said, you know what? I'm not going to need this anymore because I'm following Jesus now. I'm going to Jesus now. Look at what Jesus said. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked, 
My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. What I want you to notice is his true beliefs were revealed by his willingness to follow. His true beliefs were revealed when he said, okay, I'm going to follow. Number two is this, is God has better and he'll lead to better. He not only has better, but he'll lead to better. um, Realize that all of us have unpleasant things in our life. Can we all agree with that? We all have unpleasant things. We all face unpleasant things. But I want to tell you, and we, how many of you know sometimes we have to do unpleasant things? You know, there, there's sometimes we have to endure with unpleasant things. There's sometimes we have to endure with unpleasant people. How many of you are with me on that? And they grow us and, and all of that. But understand that God, that God has a grace gift for you in that place. God has a grace gift that he'll strengthen you and help each and every one of us in that place. And, and sometimes in our life, is we, what happens is, is we don't believe maybe that God has better or he's going to lead to better because we're carrying things that we should not be carrying and we're wore out in our life because we're carrying things that God has not given us the grace to carry. And so we're, we're like, I'm struggling with believing because I'm just wore out and I'm carrying things that I shouldn't be carrying. And I didn't say it was sin. I just think sometimes in our life that we will carry things and God's like excuse me I'll give you the grace to carry what I've called you to carry but when you carry things that I've intended for you to give to me and to trust me with it will wear you out and you will not believe that I have better because you're living under life rather than trusting me with life look at what it says in Hebrews 12 verse 1 it says therefore Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness. Now look at what it says, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. What I want you to notice is four things. He said that all of us, there's two categories. There's unnecessary weights um, that we have to stop and say, I am just carrying right now a bunch of stuff that the Lord wants me to trust him with and not carry it. Or sins, and those are areas that I just need to stop and say, Lord, I'm missing the mark here, and I invite you in to help me. But then the next description he gave is he said, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that God has put before us. Think about this for a moment. God describes our race as needing endurance and active persistence. What does that mean? If you know, if it was all a 50-yard dash, God would not say endurance and active persistence. If it is a marathon, then God said you're going to need to develop some endurance and active persistence. Endurance is I keep on. Active 
Persistence is my attitude where I stop and I say, okay, God, I know that you're with me. I know that you're better. I know that you're going to lead to better. I'm not going to carry stuff I shouldn't be carrying. And when I sin or I got areas in my life, I know that I'm not perfect, but I'm going to agree with you. And God said, I have a grace gift that will sustain you in your life and that it will be easy for you to believe that I am better and that I'll lead you to better in your life. Amen? See, God has a grace gift to carry stuff. I'm not responsible. I've said this before. I love pastoring, but y'all, I can't carry y'all. I can't carry y'all. Say, why? Because y'all are happy. You know, I pray for you, but let me just say, you, I, I pray for you, I stand with you, I believe God with you, I, but I realize this, that God didn't create me to carry it. He didn't create me. And I'm just going to throw this out right now because I just feel stirred in my heart. There's some of us right now that are parents and you have adult children or adult children with families and you are carrying them and it's wearing you out. And God is saying, I need you to trust me. I didn't call you to carry them. I didn't call you to carry them in your life. See, he has a grace gift. And when we carry things that we shouldn't be carrying, it wears us out. It just, it wears us out. The things that I shouldn't be carrying, I just, okay, God, show me what that is. Number three is this, is my attitude will determine my latitude. My attitude will determine my latitude. You know, when I was a kid, um, some of you can relate to this, but they, they called them bat kites. How many of you remember bat kites? Anybody remember bat kites? Bat kites were ones that you could steer. Now they got them like to fully high tech and they're just like all kinds of crazy stuff. But back then they, they didn't have those. And so me and my brothers would have what we called kite fights or kite wars. And so we would have our, we would have our bat kites and we would go down to the beach and we'd get them up in the air. And then what we'd try to do is ram the other one. How many of you are with me like that? And, and the goal was is to get them to crash their kite without, with your kite staying up in the air. And so they're way up there. Well, my older brother decided that he was going to tape nails and razor blades to the wings of his kite. How many of y'all know, ain't nothing staying up in the air when it's, when it's being attacked by a kite with nails and razor blades? <laughs> and I remember, it's like, that is cheating. That's just cheating. He's like, we never said you couldn't do it. <laughs> it's like, realize this. You know, you can, you can have the best kite in the world. But if, you're, if, if, if it got hit with nails and razor blades, guess what? It was coming down. Under, understand this, that my attitude affects if I'm able to stay up. It affects it. You can't control what's going on. We can't control what's going on around us, but we can control our attitude. We can control our attitude. Yeah, but if you knew who I have to deal with, you know what? Jesus dealt with worse people, and he's got a grace gift to help you deal with that person. If they're in your life, he's got an ability to help you deal with that person. If you knew the circumstance I'm dealing with, and if you knew, well, I totally get it, but maybe what, what's going on right now is you're justifying rather than saying God's got a grace gift to help me to carry this thing with life 
Are you with me? And that sometimes what we've got to do is, you know, you think about it, is that we, we say, God, this is what I'm going to do. But it doesn't take much for our attitude to go sour. It doesn't realize that my attitude is going to determine my latitude. My attitude affects everything in my life. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. And you say, well, what do you mean by attitude? Attitude is my inward thoughts. The inward thoughts that I have about me and the inward thoughts that I have about others and about life. That's my attitude. That's my internal disposition. It's a, look at what Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. It says, and be constantly. Wow, that's a constant. Constant's a pretty powerful word, isn't it? As constant is like, as constant like once a month. Would that be constant? Would constant be once a week? Would constant be once a day? Constant is like, you know what I'm saying? It is all the time. He said, be, so if he's saying I can do, he said you can be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Man, that's a, notice what he said. God said, you need to practice constantly every day because you're going to get hit with stuff. Stuff's going to go on. You're not going to constantly be renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. I used to have a neighbor. He said it like this, attitude. He had a bad attitude most of the time. But he would say, I struggle with my attitude. He worked for the government. And he said, I am so grateful I work for the government because nobody would have put up with my attitude. That's what he said. That's what, that's what he said. Is, and look at what he said. Put on the new nature. So first, I'm renewed in the spirit of my mind with a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. And that leads me to put on the new nature, the regenerate self, created in God's image, God-like and true righteousness and holiness. You know, I think sometimes in our life is we just have to stop and say, okay, God, right now where I'm at is I need to cultivate an attitude of thankfulness. I just need to cultivate an attitude of thankfulness. I didn't say that you were thankful for everything, but you can be thankful in everything. And you say, well, what, what do you mean by that? That God is with you, that God has got you, that God is leading you, and he hasn't forsaken you. Look at what it says in Proverbs 15, 15. All the days of the desponding and afflicted are made evil. Well, how? By anxious thoughts and forebodings. But the person who has a glad heart, they have a continual feast regardless of circumstances. Notice the difference was the heart, the inside. Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit, it saps a person's strength. It saps their strength. Number four is this, is purpose to be consistent in the small over sporadic in the big. 
purpose. I just need, I got to be consistent in the small. You say, why is that? This is what I notice a lot of times about um, us as Christians, is we're wanting God to speak to us to do something big, but he almost always starts small. He, Jesus said it like this. He said, if you're faithful in a little place, I'll bring you to a place of much. And what we're doing is we're saying, God, I want you to just speak to me about the big things. God's like, excuse me, but if you look in my word, what you will clearly see is I am a God that I started everything. He said in Genesis 8, as long as the earth remains, he said everything that is big will start as a seed. It will be a seed that will grow. It will be a seed that will progress. And we miss God's lead because we're only looking for big. And this is what I have noticed is many times we can't handle the big. Like, let me just give you a great example. You're sitting here and, and maybe there's just an awareness. You know what? I need to have a better spiritual diet. I'm really not praying and I'm really not in my word. And the temptation can be like, okay, I'm going to do it for an hour a day. I'm gonna, an hour a day. I'm going to do it. Now, let me just throw this out. If you can do it for an hour a day consistently, I would be surprised. How many of you know, it's like, let me just say this. It's like me being completely out of shape and say, I need to get in shape. You know what? Starting today, I'm going to run five miles. How many of you know, it's just like, ah. You might, you might run five the first day, but they won't be, you won't run. How many of you know what I'm saying? You might run the first couple hundred yards, and then it will go to, depending on your temperament, how many of you know what I'm saying? Is, how many of you are grateful that when you decided to have children, God didn't give you a 30-year-old child? How many of you know what I'm saying? You started with a baby. He started, that is the way that God is. Truth be told, God almost always starts small because that's where healthy develops character in our life. Where we stop and we say, okay, it's faithfulness in what I can do. It's faithfulness and okay, God, I'm going to start taking steps faith, consistent in the small. And the last one, number five, is this, is avoid what I call a rapture mentality. You say, what do you mean? This is twofold, twofold when I say this. There's one of them is carnal and the other is spiritual. Rapture mentality is the, is the person that when you think about it, is they just want to get out of here. They just want to get out of the situation. The quickest and the easiest way they can get out of it, they just don't care. I just want to get out. I just want to, I just don't like, it's a, just get me out of the situation. But the second is spiritual, and I notice sometimes as Christians we do this, is Jesus is coming back, so don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. Just don't plan. Just don't worry. God, everything is going to be, you know, and let me be really clear, is I believe in the rapture. I live my life with a reverence, like, like Jesus could come at any moment. How many of you believe Jesus is coming back? Yes. How many of you believe... He could, I could just be standing up right now, right here, and whoop, we're all gone. Well, at least I hope we're all gone. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, we could just be like, it would just be like, boom, we're just, we're just all out of here. But I want to tell you this. I plan and I follow and use wisdom like I'm going to be here 120 years. You say, why is that? 
I live with reverence where I'm at. Jesus could come back any moment. But I got a plan for 120 years. I got a plan. And if I was like Chuck, Chuck's going to 150. So he's, he's got the plan for 150. Well, I, Chuck, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. That might be intentional. <laughs> but do you know that the early church in the book of Acts had lots of incredible examples to learn from. But whenever you read, it's really important that we, when we read the Bible, especially the book of Acts, um, because it's the history book of the New Testament church, is we realize that there's two different things in there. There's things that are prescribed, and there's things that are described. And let me just explain to you. Prescribed is God saying, I need you to, to specifically, you need to do this if you're going to be a healthy Christian. And I'll just throw out some examples of that. Being committed in a local church. God said you won't be a healthy Christian unless you're committed in a local church. Here's another one. He, God prescribes loving people. God, and God prescribes forgiving people. He prescribes how to handle persecution. He prescribes we should all have worship in our life. He prescribes reading the scriptures. He prescribes praying. He, he prescribes communion in the sacraments and all of those. The list could go on and on. But then there are some times that he describes things and they are things that they did in the book of Acts that God never told them to do, but they just excited, they just loved the Lord, and they just kind of did this particular thing, and you look at the outcome of it, and you find out, wow, that wasn't a very good, they were honest, it was unintentional, but they just did some things, and God never, prescri God never prescribed it, but it describes it to give us insight in our own personal life so we can grow by it. Like, let me just give you an example. You can be cruising down the 31 highway and have your favorite worship on, and you are just, Jesus is meeting with you. God is in your car. It is powerful, but you lose track of your speedometer. How many of you know what I'm saying? And you go from 60 to 70 to 80 to 90 to 95, and all of the sudden you see lights in the rear view mirror, and they come on, and they rip you out of your God moment. How many of you know what I'm saying? And it's like, and you look down and thought, oh my gosh, I didn't mean to do this. I was just gone. Are you with me today? You were, you were just gone. Well, realize that, and you get pulled over and you get a fat ticket. How many of you know what I'm saying? And you say, was that God's will? No, that was God's will. It was not God's will, but you got caught up in the moment and you didn't pay attention. Are you with me? Are you with me? Has anybody, you know, one time, I'm over, but just real quick. <laughs> um, I got pulled over, and police officer rolled my window down, and he looks at me, and he says, you're a pastor. I said, oh, no, here we go. How many of you know what I'm saying? And then he looked at me, and he said, I don't believe in giving pastors a ticket. Have a good day. The blessing of the Lord. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was just like, it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, one of these type environments, and just for the sake of time, I'm going to tell you to read it. 
in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through verse 47. What you see is that they believed so much in the rapture of Jesus being imminent that it was going to come at least by the end of the week and at the latest, the end of the month. And so it describes what they did. It says that they sold all of their goods. They threw everything into a community pot. Everybody began to quit their jobs because we don't really need to work. We got enough cash. Jesus is going to be coming by the end of the month. By the time the apostle Paul comes around 30 years later, they're in poverty. They're, they're taking up offerings to send back to Jerusalem. And Paul's writing these challenging words saying, y'all need to get a job. How many of you know what I'm saying? But what it was is it God never prescribed it, but he describes it so that we can look and say, oh, okay, I should have a giving heart. I should have a giving heart. But what I need to do is, is I need to have a plan where I stop and I live with a reverence for God in my life. And I love him, but what I do is I don't have a rapture mentality of what's the use, but I realize that my life is an example to a whole lot of other people that are following Jesus and that, you know what, I live like Jesus could come back tonight but I plan like I'm going to be here till I'm 120. And then what happens is, is that I'm healthy where I'm at. Are you with me? Stand to your feet.